Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we have another great episode of the Church Leaders Podcast for you this week. I had the privilege to speak with Steve and Jackie Green. Steve is the president of Hobby Lobby, and together with his wife, Jackie, they are the founders and primary curators of the Museum of the Bible, which has recently opened in Washington, D.C. It is the largest international museum in the world dedicated to the presentation and preservation of the Bible with fascinating immersive displays looking at the past, the present, and future of God's Word. Steve and Jackie have also recently released a new book that really focuses on how the Bible has shaped our world and why it still matters today, entitled This Dangerous Book. On this week's episode, Steve and Jackie share some of the important leadership lessons they have learned, including how to acknowledge mistakes and grow from them, and how to best handle criticism. They also provide encouragement to church leaders who are pursuing a God-given dream, which I'm sure you will appreciate, and then I get them to reveal what are their current favorite biblical artifacts from the collection at the Museum of the Bible. I invite you to listen into my conversation with a wise and gracious couple who truly love God and his church, Steve and Jackie Green. Steve and Jackie, I want to thank you both for joining us here on the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank We're glad you. to be here. Awesome. Now, now your family has had um, a very busy year. I was about to say you've you've had some very exciting events in this past year, but even that does not seem to capture kind of the breadth and significance of of these events. Uh, so, Steve and Jackie, you have a new book being released by Zondervan entitled "This Dangerous Book," which really focuses on the importance of the Bible today and its impact, and and really how the Bible has shaped our world over the centuries. And and I'm going to want to touch on some of the themes you've shared in the book in a bit. But first, your big project, you know, years in the making, and that is the Museum of the Bible. Congratulations on the grand opening. It's very exciting. Thank you. It, it has been a wild uh, journey uh, for many years, a uh, wild year in getting it uh, open, but it's been very exciting. That's awesome. Now, can you share with us just a quick snapshot of what the Museum of the Bible is. And then I want to get into some of the leadership lessons that you have learned and your team has learned during the process of launching the museum. But first, for those who may not be familiar with it, what is the Museum of the Bible? Well, I'd say the museum is more than just a museum in D.C. Uh, I'd say we've got four initiatives and three stories. Uh, The museum is one of our initiatives, but then we've had traveling exhibits that uh, we've been to many uh, countries around the world. Uh, We have a research and an education uh, arm as well. So those are the four initiatives, museum, our traveling exhibits, research, and education. And in the museum, we are looking at the Bible in three different ways. The Bible's history, its impact, and its narrative. We have a floor for each one of those, and they look uniquely different. Uh, And the bottom line, the mission for Museum of the Bible is uh, our goal is to invite all people to engage with the Bible. So in a nutshell... Uh, that's what Museum of the Bible is all about. Awesome. And and it's in Washington, D.C., right? So kind of the heart of, of the country and, and where there are many other uh, museums that people not only from our country flock to, but people from all over the world will have the opportunity to experience uh, the Museum of the Bible, right? Exactly. We uh, were looking in three cities. Uh, we were looking in Dallas, New York City, and Washington, D.C., and we did a survey asking the primary question is, if we build it, will they come? 
Um, and that question was answered overwhelmingly yes. There was a lot of interest in the Bible Museum, and it also showed that it would be best attended in Washington, D.C., which really makes sense because that's the hub of museums in our nation. Uh, so it just made sense that we would do best where museum goers are going, and that was Washington, D.C. Right. That makes awesome sense, and we're excited. The doors are open now. And Jackie, can you tell me a little bit, what has the experience been like in the actual grand opening, the launching of this museum? How has that been for you and your family? It's just been an amazing celebration. We have just been rejoicing that the museum is opening and to see so many people coming in and, and exploring and engaging with the Bible and learning more about it. You know, the museum itself is just very immersive and it's not like your typical museum. It's it's not anything like what I would initially think of as museums is, uh, you know, cases that you go and you just read and see what's inside this glass case. But, but this museum is very engaging and it's great for all age groups. It's, um, it's a wonderful experience and it's just a joy for all of us to, as a family to see it um, really open and, and it's, it's working and people are loving it. Awesome. That's so cool. Now, as you know, the majority of our listeners are pastors and ministry leaders. Many of them have, you know, a vision for their churches to make a significant impact on people's lives. And, and I believe that some of the leadership lessons that you, Steve, you, Jackie, and your team have learned through the process of launching the museum um, could be transferable to many of the experiences that we as pastors have in launching new ministries or, or planting churches or revitalizing churches. Uh, now, I don't think I, I, I'm guessing that there's none of our listeners who are planning on launching a museum right now. Who knows? Um, but I would love to jump into some of those leadership lessons that that you guys have learned as you've launched the Museum of the Bible. And and I know you touch on some of this in your new book, This Dangerous Book. Um, but let's dig in a bit for our listeners. So let's go back to the beginning. And either Steve or Jackie, either of you can jump in on this because I'm sure you both have um, have a take on this. But how did God first begin to really birth the vision for the museum in your lives? Well, it started with a, a, a question that I was asked many years ago. If we would help a group of guys that wanted to put it in the Bible Museum in Dallas. And uh, I said, well, we'd, we'd help if, you know, they wanted us to help acquire a facility. And I said, well, if the right deal came up, we would consider it. And um, it, nothing ever happened. And in a few years, we had uh, an artifact that was uh, offered to us at a real good price. And I said, we would be willing to, to, to acquire that, you know, for this, this dream of a Bible Museum. And while we never got that particular artifact, it opened the door for the, the guys to start looking around and seeing if there were other uh, items that were for sale. Our first artifact we bought in 2009, and uh, the economy was struggling at the time, uh, and it uh, opened up some opportunities. So we started acquiring uh, the artifacts and acquired quite a bit fairly rapidly. Um, and as the collection grew, that's when the family just felt the sense of responsibility that we needed to be sure that this collection that we had been entrusted, this dream really became a reality. So mm. uh, that, that's what got us started on this whole journey. Wow. Now, Jackie, as this was uh, coming together, what were you thinking? Uh, what, you know, were you thinking, wow, um, we're going to open up a museum like that's kind of crazy? Or, you know, what were you going through during this, this process as well? Well, that's a good question because I uh, can't tell you how many times I've said to God, 
don't you have somebody better to do this than us? <laughs> you know, we're, 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 a you know, a boy and a girl we met at church camp and, and got married young and raising our family and we're a retail family. And, um, you know, I just, uh, really kept thinking we're, we're not qualified for this, but you know what? God was qualified. And so he, um, he equips those that he calls. And we saw that happen very clearly in our lives, you know, and I, I'm going to go back further. You know, we're just what we would think of as just a regular family, but we have a love for the Bible. Steve and I were both raised in Christian homes. And, you know, as far as pastors, you know, we were young leaders in our church. We took on small leadership roles throughout our lives, uh, growing up in church families. And, you know, our dads were both deacons, Steve's mom was a choir director. My mom was a pianist. You know, we, uh, we, we both participated in a lot of things in churches growing up, but Steve was a Sunday school teacher. He, as when, when we were young marrieds was asked to be a, a Sunday school teacher and at first said, I'm not qualified Yeah, Of course, now I'm going to go back. We got married at 18 and 20. We were young wow. and, you know, we didn't have much figured out, but Thankfully, we we did know that our faith was in our belief in the Bible was very strong and our faith individually was strong. And so God can just use anybody is what I found out. But I feel like the looking back that Steve's years of experience with having to communicate each week in front of the Sunday school class and having to dig into the Bible and learn more uh, was sort of like a training for him of what he was going to have to be doing later and we didn't have any clue that's awesome i love to see how how god is at work when when we have no idea like you said you know god is putting pieces together he's preparing us and and i think that's encouragement to all of us um as we're seeking to you know live out god's call in our life and and sometimes you know like you said you guys are you know a family a, a business family retail family with hobby lobby and everything and and you know you you have that going and you're serving god through that which is incredible but then god takes you on this uh, the trajectory you know it opens up a new door yeah. that that you probably you know i'm i'm guessing when you're first married you know you're never thinking along those lines but but suddenly mm-hmm. god opens the door and sometimes like you said you know god opens that door and we may not feel qualified but if god is leading then we need to trust him as as he guides us and know that he's going to be there and he's going to direct us right amen that's right exactly we just see that uh, god in many ways was there preparing us and and then even in the journey you just see his hand uh, of guidance throughout the the whole process and it's it's just exciting there's struggles and challenges and setbacks but when when you know you're following where God is directing, then uh, gives you courage to keep going. Amen. Now, you bring up, Steve, that there's challenges with, with any time we're doing something you know, big for God, we're going to run up against some setbacks, right? And, and I know that the journey was not always easy for you guys. I know there were you guys ran into some controversy and some criticism over acquiring and preparing some of the items for exhibit in the museum. And, and sometimes as church leaders, you know, we might have the best intentions in mind. Um, you know, we're trying to um, honor God. We're trying to do what's what we feel is best for our church, our ministry, our organization. Um, but there are times we could take some missteps or we can make some decisions without having all the information we need. Um, we often run into criticism. What lessons did you learn through some of the controversy, some of the criticism, some of the pushback that you received as you were uh, launching the museum. Yeah, you know, this was a, a new venture uh, for the family, and 
Uh, we are familiar with the complexities of importing uh, because we do a lot of importing. But, uh, you know, the antiquities world is a whole new world with its own set of complexities that uh, was brand new. And, and when you start in a new venture, you're going to make mistakes and uh, you learn from those mistakes and uh, you, you do better. And, uh, you know, and so as, as we uh, learn from those mistakes and we brought on the expertise that we needed and, and uh, you know, are uh, not... Uh, perfect, and we will still uh, make mistakes, but um, that you, but you have to learn from those and move on. And at the same time, you know that uh, the the Bible is a uh, book that is loved and hated. It's controversial mm. uh, because of that. And so there are those that are going to take uh, any misstep that you make and are going to try to run with it. And we we learned that even when we were in our Supreme Court case with the HHS mandate, where. Uh, we were challenging when we were told that we had to provide abortifacients to our employees, and, and we said we we didn't want to do that uh, because it was taking life as we saw it. So, uh, and, and there we saw that uh, we would be misrepresented, and uh, uh, in essence, we would be lied about there. And so it, it's not anything that is new. I think that uh, the reputation that the current media has for uh, fake news, there's some some truth to that uh, because people have agendas. And when those agendas get in the way of, of accurate uh, reporting, then uh, you, you have to be uh, prepared for that. And so it, it's not something that we were surprised about. You just kind of have to expect that when you're dealing with the Bible, there's going to be uh, feelings that will get in the way of, of reporting, and uh, and and that's what we experienced. But uh, in the midst of all of it, we just uh, knew that God was in the middle of it, and we just kept going forward. What have you learned um, in leadership when it comes to dealing with criticism? There's some nuggets that you could share with our pastors. You know, um, criticism it's it's a painful thing at times, but. I think one thing we have to realize for today in our culture, this is a day and age of social media presence, big and large, you know, in our lives. And everyone has an opportunity to have a big opinion if they want. They get to voice their opinions every day and they can go out to the whole world. But I think that one thing I've learned is to not believe everything I hear and not believe what I read and to search the facts. And, um, you know, so often we're quick to, to have opinions and feelings and think we've got it figured out, but we don't always have the facts and the answers. So I feel like one thing that we can do better um, as Christians, as believers, is to be a light. You know, when we realize that our positive message, uh, it, the light pushes back the darkness, I just wish we could do better as people of faith at just, you know, just overpowering the darkness with the light. And, and not be so quick to criticize, but also to come alongside and love on our brothers and sisters and, and know that none of us are perfect. Not one person on this earth is perfect. Um, to have grace and to love on them and, and just to be more positive. I wish we could see more of that and that we were all better at that. Amen. Yeah, and I think that, um, uh, you, as Jackie says, it's just something you almost have to, to expect. And uh, there is some value in listening to your critics to to hear what the criticism is, because there may be some truth. And if there is, it's it's opportunities to learn and to improve. Sometimes that's 
uh, how we can, uh, you know, have some of our best improvements is when somebody is honestly uh, pointing out, you know, faults. And so uh, that, that, that can be constructive if used well, but uh, in some cases there's, there's uh, destructive criticism that's meant to harm and hurt because somebody uh, doesn't like what you're doing. And, um, you know, there's, I, I, I would find that you just have to kind of monitor how much you listen or read. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of articles and, uh, if, if I know, you know, there's a dozen that are negative then uh, I read enough to, to know what they are, but, uh, know that too much doesn't, isn't helpful. Uh, so being able to monitor the amount that you take in, uh, but, uh, knowing and, and, having the wisdom to understand what may be uh, something that you can improve on and what you just have to throw out. Uh, that's, that's what you strive to do. And uh, the best way to do that is going to God and uh, seeking his face and helping you uh, understand uh, the criticism and what you should uh, learn from. That, that's so good, Steve. Thank you for that. Because I know as leaders, oftentimes, you know, sometimes we can take some of that criticism personally and then we get kind of, you know, we can dwell on it, right? And and that doesn't isn't really helpful. I mean, we take, as you said, you know, what's constructive and we learn from that to move ahead. But sometimes, you know, that negativity gets thrown our way and it can actually distract us, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, I hear what you're saying is that really we need to learn from what we can learn from, but we don't need to allow a lot of that negativity to um, derail us from what we know God's calling us to do. Right. Is that a good summary there? Yeah. And as you as you see it starting to derail you, then you, you say, OK, I, I need to back away from it. I need to go to God. Know that, uh, you know, he if, if he's called us to do this, he's empowered us and he's with us. And um, uh, because when it starts derailing you, then, you know, you've you've uh, it, uh, it, it's taking us too far and you just need to quit listening to it. That's good. That's good. Thank you, brother. Now, obviously, for both you, Steve, and you, Jackie, and for your family, the power and the impact of the Bible is, you know, such a very important part of your lives. And so uh, your book, this dangerous book um, that you've just recently released, um, really digs into how the Bible has shaped our world and really the value and the importance of, of the Bible today. You know, that the Bible is relevant to our lives today. It's not just a bunch of historical documents um, and different artifacts that people can see at the museum, but it's something that's living and powerful and can impact and change and transform people's lives today. And and you really dig into that in this dangerous book. One of the things I love about the book is you've got some personal stories in here, and then you've got um, as well as some very, you know, factual historical you know, insights around the Bible. What are you hoping that this dangerous book um, is able to do uh, as people read it? Well, you're right. We do have some personal stories of our interaction with the Bible and how it has impacted our lives and influenced us and our decisions. You know, we we have a couple of just uh, instances where we're talking about, you know, our finances and as a young couple and, and, um, how God led us through our adoption story and and just different ways that the Bible impacted our lives. But we also, you know, talk about the, the museum and how we felt like God was leading us. He did lead us on that journey to open the museum and, 
But ultimately, we just want to point people to be intrigued and look at the Bible and want to know more about it and engage with it. That's our ultimate goal. Excellent. Now, as you um, have learned over the years in bringing together the Museum of the Bible, you know, the different artifacts and, and just, you know, the studies and, and the things that you've learned from the experts that are working alongside of you and uh, some of those things that you've packed into this book, what are some of the fascinating things about the Bible that maybe we don't talk about as much regularly in the church, but really um, are important in how the Bible shapes us today? Well, one of the things that uh, comes to my mind is how uh, on our narrative floor, we point out, uh, or or it's as we tell the Bible story, it can be understood that this is a story. And when you realize that this book um, was written over roughly 1,400 years by over 40 authors from all different walks of life, and yet it comes together to make a single book— uh, with a theme that goes through it, that is an incredible story to be told, uh, and, and we fully appreciate the complexity of it. Uh, it gives us just a greater appreciation for the book. And then on their impact floor, we're showing how that the book speaks into every area of life, and it has impacted every area of life in ways that the average person on the street has really no idea how this book has impacted their life. Uh, I don't know any of us fully understand the the to the degree that this book has impacted our, our world and our life. And then the third floor, the third way is the history, where we're uh, just showing you the evidences for this book, from the archaeological evidence to manuscript print, the digital age, and we also look forward, uh, showing how that this book, uh, there is an effort to have this book translated into every language of the world. And uh, so, uh, collectively, when you when you understand how th- this book has impacted our world, the incredible story it tells, and the history, it just makes you have such a great appreciation for the book that we all love and cherish. That's excellent. Now, this may be a hard question to answer, uh, but I'd, I'd love to hear from each of you if you could, and that is, um, from the entire collection, um, what is your favorite artifact or favorite exhibit for each of you? For the last few years, I have said it was the Codex Climaci Rescriptus. It's just a fabulous piece, and it, it's, uh, I believe it's fourth century. It's a codex, a book, and uh, it has a large portion of the Bible written in Aramaic underneath two other layers of writing. But with new technology, they can uh, do studies, and they are, they're doing that right now, and researching and finding that underneath layer that just shows up on a different light spectrum when they uh, use a certain machine, multispectral, multispectral imaging. And um, it's just amazing. And it would have been basically the what I'm told is the language that Jesus would have spoken in his home. Mm. And so that is really amazing to me. So I love that piece. And um the artifact itself has a story behind it about these two sisters that, that found it. And anyway, you, you have to learn more about it. Uh, there's a book called Sisters of Sinai, and it, it's pretty intriguing. 
but can I have two? If you can sure, go two ahead. Artifacts. Okay. <laughs> My new favorite is uh, the Elizabeth de Boone. It's the Book of Hours and Psalters, and because I, I love it, it's the most beautifully illuminated artifact I believe in the world that that is known. And every page has this beautiful, what they call illumination or an illustration. It's, it's artwork on every page and real gold on it. Um, so as a, as a female, you know, we like beauty and it's very beautiful. But there's even something deeper for me personally. I have now found out that uh, Elizabeth de Boone was my 21st great grandmother. Wow. And she and her husband would have had this manuscript uh, created and commissioned in England, early England. So it, it, that's I, it's got to be my favorite now. That's very cool. <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah, yeah because yeah. not only is it a, a gorgeous, beautiful, you know, inspiring artifact, but uh, there's now that personal tie that you've discovered to it. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Steve, what about you? Well, uh, and you, as Jackie said, you could have a favorite of the day, but the one that I typically would uh, point to is an Aiken Bible. There's just a handful of them that have survived, but Robert Aiken was a printer in the early days of uh, America's founding, and when we declared our independence, uh, we were not getting Bibles from England anymore. Uh, we were not allowed as colonies to print an English Bible in the colonies. So uh, we declared independence, they quit shipping them, and Robert Aiken asked permission. Uh, Congress uh, gave him permission to print the Bible, and uh, we, we have one of those on display. Um, and it just kind of tells a bit about the time period of our founding and the influence that the Bible had and the importance it had for our founders. And so um, it's it's a story that I think is overlooked often today and and one of the reasons why i really love uh, the aiken bible it, it just tells that story well that's awesome so it, it's exciting because um what you shared i mean obviously um at the museum you have artifacts that are you know centuries 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 old then you have artifacts that are are not quite as old you know so you have all these different kind of time periods where you are seeing again the the impact of the bible generation after generation after generation and how it has shaped our world, which is just absolutely fascinating to um, to think that there's so much that has happened um, because of the influence of the Bible and how it has shaped the history of the world. Um, it's, it's just absolutely amazing when you stop to think about it. So that's very yeah, exciting. Well, and it also we also have a Bible that's not even created yet. So in our illumination section where we tell the story of how that their Bible societies are trying to print the Bible in every language, we have a book on the shelf for every language uh, that has not even started with a Bible translator, and it is a blank book. So we have a representation of a Bible that is yet to come. That's awesome. I love that because basically— you're not only telling the story of the Bible past and the Bible present, but you're proclaiming the future of God's Word as it goes out to reach every single person, which is, you know, the mission to get the message of Christ to, to every man, woman, and child. So I love that. Exactly. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I, I've really enjoyed speaking to both of you, Steve and Jackie. Thank you for being with us. I have one final question kind of as we're wrapping down. And again, going back to thinking of, of our pastors, and our ministry leaders, what encouragement, you know, what would you like to share maybe that you haven't touched on yet that you'd like to to really share with them as they're seeking to lead their churches, to honor God, 
and to press forward in, in God's mission in our world. But one of the things that I was thinking about that I uh, didn't mention earlier was just the, the journey we were on to uh, build the museum. We did a survey, and the survey showed that the museum, uh, there was an overwhelming acceptance of a Bible museum. It was over 80%. The gentleman that did the survey was just really blown away by that. And uh, his comment was, this is a winning concept. Uh, it, it, will, it will do well. People will come to D.C. because of this museum. And we're finding that. But I also was thinking how that, um, you know, restaurants are a winning concept. Uh, uh, but there are restaurants that go out of business every day because they're not done well. So while we have a winning concept, we knew that if we did it well, that uh, it would be successful. But that was the point, is it had to be done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we wanted to engage some of the leading uh, people in the country, whether it's construction or the attorneys there or architects or design firms to help us put this together. Uh, because we, we, we knew that while it was a winning concept, it needed to be done well. And that's what we uh, were striving to do. And uh, with with the people that came together, we, we think we've accomplished that. So, uh, but w- I think God wants our best, mm. and uh, that's what we were trying to do. Uh, making many mistakes in the in the process, but that's what we strive to do every day, uh, is just to give God our best. Keep up the good work, you know. Keep on keeping on, and um, like I was saying earlier, you know, there there is darkness out there. We've seen it. We've we've uh, felt it, but um, thank goodness. We have the God of light uh, that that carries us through, takes us through all situations, and, and he does walk alongside us. We've seen it and experienced it through our lawsuit and through different hits that we've taken that uh, we never walked it alone. And, and everywhere we went, people of faith came up to us and told us they were praying. And that's pretty humbling mm. when you can go anywhere in any city uh, in our country and somebody that you don't even know would come up and say, we've been praying for you. Our church has been praying for you. Our family's praying for you. But we are an army of the Lord. And, and you know, that was a, a good reminder for us that none of us are in this alone. We're, we're an army. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And again, Stephen, Jackie, thank you for being with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. Um, some great things, inspiring things. And we want to encourage everyone um, to make a trip to Washington, D.C. Check out the Museum of the Bible. And also, you guys can pick up um, Stephen Jackie's uh, book. It's just recently been released by Zondervan, entitled This Dangerous Book. And it tells uh, really the story of how the Bible has shaped our world and um, why it is so valuable and important today. So thank you again both Steve and Jackie for being with us on the podcast. We certainly appreciate you taking the time and uh, God bless you both. Thank, Thank you, Jason. You. It's our bless pleasure. You too. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available 
for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day, encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.